Just a little bit off. Hi, Zach. Howdy. This is a fun one, huh? Is this the Cars? Yes, it is. Woohoo! Got one. Only took 12 episodes to get <laughs> caught up. <laughs> well, I've been sitting here at our Amsterdam Tavern for a little while. Got here a little early today. And the bartender is playing quite a bit of punk music. Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. This place is kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of bar. Yeah. Um, they make all their money before noon, <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> after midnight. Uh, the music during the day is not KC classic sing-alongs. It's, no. It's punk rock. Get out of my way. It's punk rock. And the first song, I don't know what it was, but a girl was singing would be a stretch uh, for what what was happening here and a lot of screaming and then uh, weird laughing in the middle it was is it was, i wasn't used to that well you know what it, what day of the week is it cuz i'm thursday th- thurs it's thursday it is uh before 4 p.m. you know if she's singing on a thursday before 4 pre happy hour in oh a no, no 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 pub. this was the song Oh, oh, this wasn't a patron. <laughs> this was see down the, here the, on South Morganford. I was <laughs> assuming it was a patron singing along poorly. Now that could be the case at some <laughs> point, but no, no. This was the actual artist that was supposedly leading the band. Ah, and it was well, probably won awards in some obscure category I, at some yeah, point. Yeah, it it. It was different. Well, uh, we're down here at Amsterdam Tavern. It is the mecca of soccer pubs in not only St. Louis, not only the Midwest, but probably in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, guarantee there's not one of these in Kansas City. Uh, uh, not that I'm aware of, no. No. Um, these guys are great. And I'm looking around, and uh, our other friends, Urban Chestnut, looks like their new 12-ounce uh, product... Oh, they got featured. the Wally's beer. They got the Wally's beer. Oh. I just noticed that, too. So I think after our uh, warm-up cocktail... Heck yes. I think there's a Wally's 12-ounce lager coming our way. I like that. Um, oh, uh, so speaking of, I've, I've mentioned my cousin's brewery up in Detroit, Dog and Pony Show. Dog and Pony Show? They are actually working with Bally Sports and I think the Tigers, and they have uh, a six-ounce beer... That they're promoting. It looks like it literally looks like a baseball. Yeah. Like the can itself is white with the red uh, rib, uh, or um, stitches, and they're calling them shorties. Shorties. And it's I don't. It's a cool kind of cool promotion. But what if what if they came up with a, uh, a meatball concept, like a weird shaped meatball design mm. on it for Mom's spaghetti? <laughs> I will. I'll talk to Kyle. And all Aaron I want. And Josh eight and, cents per can. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's that. a great idea. So we've been we've been on quite the run lately. Um, we were in this kind of, we were in the dog days of summer. Vacations got in the way, yep. a little spread out. Guests were all spread out. Uh, but we are sitting uh, with today's guest. This will be the third in twenty four hours. That's right. Uh, and we'll be spreading these out when we when we send them out to you guys, the beloved public. Uh, we've got a whole lot of them coming up next week. Uh, the in, the inbound phone calls, the inbound interest has just been uh, far exceeding expectations. So what this is, this is a PSA. This is a thank you card. This is a hallmark moment from 
the Soccer Dad Pod to you, the listener. Um, we are uh, extremely grateful for the support. All we ask, you know, because none of you have ever found the actual Venmo code on our website to send us beer money. So just take the link. The link is like a single click. A second click is send. And then you type in a friend that might like our idiocracy. Yeah. And that's it. Three clicks. Well, I think we also need to, I need to apologize. I, we've gotten several emails on the request for the tickets. New ones. And I think what we need to do is uh, put a date on it. Okay. When we're gonna when we're gonna draw these, and then we'll make some sort of live announcement on the winner, and so maybe offline we'll uh, we'll commit to a date, and then we'll publish that, and then th- that way people know, hey, get your emails in by this date. But those that have submitted emails, please know we have received them all. Okay. Um, I'm working on a so here's a here's sponsor too. Here's my thought. Here's my game plan. This is what I've been putting out there. Uh, roughly August 10th, I believe, is a Friday. That to me will be the day or, or that might be a Monday. I don't August know. August 10th is a Thursday. So I was close. Yeah. The game's on the 20th, correct? Correct. Okay. By the 10th, we will draw the name and then we'll make a bunch of social media posts announcing the winner. Perfect. Um, so this episode will come out well before that. So this is pre-warning. All you got to do, soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com. Shoot us a note. Tell us which episode you liked and what you liked about it. Uh, and you automatically are qualified to win four tickets. Compliments of the Pinnacle Loan Group right down here right. on the hill. Uh, Bill and Chris, um, you know, we really appreciate their support. And they're offering up these tickets to one of our listeners. So thank you, fellas. Also, Crescent Plumbing, um, again, helping save marriages all across the Midwest and beyond by making the plumbing fixture purchase renovation process easier. Easier. And, you know, it, it. I think the big thing, you asked me this before about using uh, just different a tactics. Third yeah. You know, the one thing I really wanted and I didn't get was a pot filler. Oh. And I, I can tell you I'm glad I didn't, I think. Because yep. I've heard a lot of horror stories about those just kind of... Well, you have children, and children don't ever turn things all the way off. <laughs> right. So start there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you to those guys, which brings me to the pinnacle points of the yes. day. Uh, you know, there's there's just a lot slash neutral news going on right now. Yeah, Nothing crazy. Like, Kim Jong-un is not blowing anything up. Mm. We don't have any rushes on our government. We don't have... Uh, there's no solar flares heading our way, other than the fact well, the foreign that minister of Russia is in North Korea. That's a little disturbing, but that's a whole other topic for a different kind of com- you know uh, t- podcast. Oh, I'm pretty sure they have a lot in common. <laughs> it's probably you know, he's bringing them. Maybe maybe you know, Pete. Uh, can you imagine Peter from Peter the Great, the Great <laughs> meeting? That would be brilliant. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, you want to go first? You got a pinnacle yeah, point Yeah, I me? think, you know, watching the U.S. women's team, uh, they, they had their second game of the Women's World Cup against the Netherlands uh, on Wednesday night, and it was not a great showing for our women. Uh, I think they battled back, only I, made one sub. I have a theory, though. Okay. Beyond they just, quote, didn't look good. Yeah. I think a big part of it is uh, across the board. Everybody else is catching up fast. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily a a negative for the women. I just do yeah. think it's a positive 
across the board, like you're saying. I just, the, the dominance that we've experienced and, and really pushed for is, is starting to wane because others are catching up. Well, so had a, uh, a friendly squabble on socials regarding this exact topic. And, you know, the way I look at it is U.S. women have been playing the game for all intent and purposes. Most people say for roughly 50 years, 50 years ago is sure. when youth. Uh, Title nine. Yeah. That well, Title nine as well. Um, so they've been doing it for a long time. Most of the European powerhouses, their women's youth girl development started 20, 25 years yeah. after, if not more, uh, and not even mentioning South and Central America, which that was a no-no up until you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, the advantage that they have, here's my theory, is once they have bought into it and started supporting it, they already have the infrastructure, the mindset, the systems, the community involvement. It's well, all in place. Well, and also what's so funny and interesting about the women's game versus the men's is that these countries that are, are now competing at a higher level, you know where their girls are going to train? Uh, college here. College in the yeah. United States. So, or youth programs. Yeah. Uh, there's a 16-year-old who started for, I think it was South Korea, she has lived in the U.S. since she was a month old and trained her whole life here in the U.S. And there's several other expats like that. And I think it's just great for the game to have that, that kind of diplomacy and recognition that we're so used to Europe being that for, for us yep. on the men's side. But I think it's great. So, yeah, nothing against how things went. It was interesting to see um, Lindsay Horan. And her Talk, actual club teammate. Yeah. Well, you saw the photo afterwards. They were yeah, like, they were oh, hugging it out. Buddies. They were we, not hugging it out on the on the pitch, though. No, they, no, no. No, I, no, no I love like lost there. I like yeah. a little piss and vinegar. It reminded me of that that episode of Ted Lasso when. Um, Is that in season three? Because oh, I haven't. Seen, I, haven't like, I can't yeah, say no, anything else. No mm. burners. And plus, some of our listeners, they just they're not there yet either. But those listeners that are cool enough that have followed along know exactly what I'm talking they about. They knew where you were going and they might be screaming it into their car right now. Oh yeah. But too bad, so sad. <laughs> we're not going to get it on air. Zoro and Danny, that's all I'm saying. Uh, my pinnacle point of the day is I'm going off the rails. Um, and this is a personal pinnacle point. Um, growing up, starting my uh, semi-professional uh, drinking career as a college student, Love cheap beer, got into a little bit of money, decided stouts were good and cool, right? Everybody like, oh, look at that guy drinking Guinness, right? Uh, then went through that phase, I think we all did, mm -hmm. the IPA 17 flavor fruits and bong water mixed together. I still I still partake. And and then I kind of reverted back to cold and yellow. This is, this is uh, I don't know, post 40, 42, somewhere in there. It was like, I'm done, you know. Flavor palette is shot. Just give me yellow beer. Yep. Now, the consistent uh, common denominator or sidecar, so to speak, was just whiskey. Simple whiskey. Irish whiskey in particular. Yeah, you typically prefer the Irish. Something has happened to my taste buds, to my consumption habits. Oh, no. What once was uh, let's go in the alley and destroy ourselves is now my best friend, and that is tequila. 
Ah, uh, yes, I see your. Hi, yes. Yeah. And I, I don't have an answer for that, and I'm, you know, I'm just really curious because is is it kind of the age that we're all at, where you, you know, like uh, science says that every seven years your taste buds change? I think so. I think there's a big part of that that. Um, I, I think we have less taste buds, so we need more. So maybe the stimulation. Maybe the whiskey burnt them off I over think, time, yeah. and now yeah. I can stomach the. I think so. I don't know. It was just. You know. I like tequila, and a good tequila, sipping tequila, not one you're just shooting. Yes. Uh, is to me less can bloat. be as crafty as yep. bourbon or a good Irish whiskey. Less bloat. Oh yeah. Uh, I, just all around. What again? What was once a, I'm going to chew on a telephone pole kind of reaction, <laughs> is now like, wow, look at the sunset. Well, and you know, for those that that like to partake like we do, a solid drink with tequila and soda water, or tequila and soda, or tequila and something else, you're gonna sip on that a lot longer than yes. your beer that you don't want to get warm. Yes. So I guess what I'm saying is, next time you're in the city, come down to Amsterdam Tavern, the soccer mecca pub. Uh, in the northern hemisphere, uh, grab yourself a nice white tequila on the rocks, a little lime. Enjoy your game. Yeah. It's just a good vibe, man. Agreed. Uh, I've noticed in here, too, there's more swag, if it's possible. Yeah, there's not any wall space left. It's so really kind of incredible. starting to cover things up. Yeah, and I've noticed that the Kansas City scarves are no more. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, nothing. Uh, that's actually my pinnacle point three of the day. Uh, I realized that I had been ignoring Kansas City slams for a while. Oh, well. uh, So I woke up today re- reinvigorated and just charged up a little bit. Sure. Maybe yeah. it's the tequila. I don't know. Could be. But Kansas City is officially back in the crosshairs. You cool with that? I'm down. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bill, Chris, thank you. Pinnacle Loan Group. Um you need help, check out your rates, need a refi, buying new, uh, renovating, or if you're getting a pool like Jared Bertrand, yeah, it's so simple, he did it. That's right. <laughs> flipping hammer. It was a flipping hammer of a pool. Flipping hammer of the process. Uh, so check those guys out. Uh, and if you do the reno, again, Crescent Plumbing Supply, check them out as well. They're going to help you. They're going to help you stay on budget and make it look cool. Uh, our guest today is another one of those. You know, we, we talked in the previous episode about St. Louis's need for an altered Mount Rushmore <laughs> of soccer faces. Uh, this is another one of those. I mean, uh, we, were, we were just talking a second ago. You know, when, when you talk about this individual, um, some of the players that he played against, marked, uh, competed against were, uh, you might have heard of these. Uh, one is Pele. George Best, Johan Cruyff, Franz Beckenbauer, Shanalia, Carlos Alberto, and Gerd Müller. And what's really cool about our upcoming guests, and you know who it is because you can read, he actually, I think, held and still has the record for the most minutes and games played by an American. We're going to find out. Yeah. On the other side of this spot. Yep. Let's do it. Uh, thank you, everybody. Again, three clicks. Pick your episode, hit share. Send it to a friend. We will thank you. And then send us an email. And an email. And we're going to roll out. We're going to be right back with our guest. Talk to you soon.
Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Wentzville. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris, at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20-0 as freshmen? Really? Some people call me the space cowboy. That was an easy one. I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> I know this one. I know this one. This is one... Uh, the amount of miles that we put on lately chasing our kids around. Oh, yeah. I really have dug deep back into that, my dad's vinyl collection, yeah. really. Steve Miller Band, um, our boy up in uh, Detroit, Bob Seeger. Yeah. Listen a lot of Bob Seeger. This one's just as fun. Well, they, they've become such classics, you know? It's, it's not even, people don't even realize that this was. No. You know. My, you know, my graduating son from SLU High, when he hears that first little note, he's like, yeah, Steve Miller. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's generationally iconic. Oh, yeah. uh, we're obviously back, people. Thank you for holding on through Jared and my amazing <laughs> commercials. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Zach for the uh, intro here, because this is this going to be a fun one. So, uh, Zach, without further ado... The mic is to you. Yeah, thanks, JB. So we've got with us a legend, and he's in that pantheon with a lot of the guests we've had on the show over the last couple months. And I actually have an interesting story because I met this person years ago before I knew he was a legend. And it wasn't until I read his business card and saw the, the, the pictures in the back that he was a legend. The, bi- uh, the business cards themselves are, are legendary. legendary. They are. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm happy to have Don Draghi here with us today. And so, Don, welcome to the show, and thanks for coming out. Thanks, and thanks for the invite. It should be fun. Yeah. So if you want to kind of kick us off with, you know, the last 30 years you've been doing something other than soccer, <laughs> but you had a very illustrious career that started at CBC. Uh, can you take us from CBC up through your first draft? At CBC, uh, I was lucky enough to have two coaches. I had uh, Bob Horgan, uh, who was a legendary coach before Terry Mickler. Right. Terry came in my junior year, and I think that was 1972, yep. and took over and made an impact right away. So at Terry, at 72 and 73, I had him. Uh, from there, I got a scholarship to St. Louis University, which was... At that point, if, if you get a scholarship to St. Louis University, you just, you went. You went Because there. you knew you had a chance of, you know, winning a national championship. So from CBC there, I went to St. Louis U, and then uh, I got drafted by the Rochester Lancers uh, out of college from at St. Louis University. Let, let me go a little bit back on that timeline, uh, digging a little bit into the CBC days and maybe even a little prior. Uh, what Are you... I'm going to assume you were north, a northerner. Ooh, don't nope. say that. He's oh. not. He's not. <laughs> I should have warned you. Yep. <laughs> Southsider. South, I, I like that better because I'm an eastsider. So, yeah. um, so normally the the boundary was Highway 40. 
Yeah. So I was in St. Luke's Parish, right oh. near the old CBC. Okay. So we were considered Southsiders and uh, right right next to CBC. So Yeah, right there on Clayton Road? Uh, on Bellevue, Bellevue and Dale. Okay, yep. But the old school was at, at Clayton Road. Yeah. So we were considered Southsiders, you know, the, the whole time. And the, the parish that I was from, St. Luke's, had some great athletes, you know, soccer players and others, you know, that uh, that came out of there. Tim Logish that played professionally and, uh, you know, and with St. Louis University, probably the best, one of the best left foot to, to come out of St. Louis. He was from there. And then you had Tim McAvoy, who sure. was a little bit older than us, and he coached us a bit. Tim was from St. Luke's. Uh, my brother Bill, he ended up playing professional baseball. My dad was a professional baseball player. So wait, there was a lot of good athletes, and you know, I grew up a family of eleven, and we beat the hell out of each other all the time. So well, you had a full squad. I we mean, had a full squad. Eleven and, players. And you just take on the whole neighborhood. And the, did you guys? And the just, girls were as mean as the. Did I mean, you guys <laughs> just walk around the neighborhood, eleven of you, and like staring at houses, like who's up? Come on outside. Knock Let's on do doors. this. Actually, <laughs> actually, St. Luke's didn't have a gym or anything, so. My dad, after we broke maybe hundreds of windows at our house playing baseball or soccer or whatever, hockey, he decided to put screens on all the windows yeah. and then pave the whole yard. So wow. we didn't have any grass. The backyard was asphalt. We had basketball courts, hockey arenas. We had everything. So after school, everybody would be coming down. We had drinking fountains in the backyard. And <laughs> A, 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 per, a permanent supply yard. of skin knees and skin yes. elbows. Oh my God. <laughs> and you know, no we, maintenance. We had padlocks on the refrigerators out in the back rooms near the... Near, <laughs> I love everybody it. just go in and take so, what they wanted. So, so early on, I mean, in, in your bio, it, it's really easy to find, obviously, all your soccer accolades and the years and the teams and everything that you were involved with the game. But there's all these footnotes um, in regards to baseball. Uh, you mentioned just a second ago your brother Bill, who was drafted by the Cubs. You, you, your dad played uh, as well. Um, you know, and a common theme and a common uh, denominator in a lot of the uh, older generation, you know, coming up through the CYC ranks, et cetera, they always talk about multi sports. Uh, you, you were a multi sport athlete. Uh, what was it about soccer, or when did you know soccer was going to be? the hook to take you away from baseball, which sounds like you were pretty good at that as well. Um, yeah, I think I was a pretty good player, but out of high school, um, you know, I did well. I did play down at St. Louis University one year with the baseball. At the same time, my brother was playing with the Cubs and doing fabulous. You know, my dad played with played on the same team or roster with Dizzy Dean and Bob Feller was his pitcher and all this kind of stuff. So I was sort of maybe pushed they wanted me to go that way i don't know if i had that much talent i think maybe if i would uh you know put as much time into into baseball to the soccer who knows but the big thing was uh the years it took i mean you go into the minor league system right even if i would have made it at that time it could be years back then because they never brought a young player up at that time my brother was in AAA for a number of years, led the league, stolen bases, all those type of things. And then he got beamed and, you know, he was sort of, you know, screwed at that time. But it was, you know, four years that he's in the system. And yeah. back then in soccer, if you got drafted, it was a one-time shot. Right. You either made the team or you didn't. There weren't any any B teams or C teams or any type of thing like that. It was go, go on with life. 
So I sort of like that by let's see if I can make it and, and then go from there. Did, did Coach Mickler, did, did Terry have a role in that decision with you? Because that would have been, a I'm assuming that's your decision-making time, that junior, senior year, especially with SLU, coming, knocking, offering you the scholarship. Did Coach Mickler have anything to do with that conversation? Not with that conversation. What, what Terry did is that when he came in, I was a forward at that time for, for Horgan. And right off the bat, he's, he didn't like it. And he just says, I'm going to put you as a center back. And I was the type of player that I didn't care because, which I think that's a lot of players are different that way, but I just wanted to be on the field. So as he, when he put me in as a center back, I sort of excelled at that. And really it made me the player that I ended up being. I never would have done it, you know, playing in the forward. But as a center back, I was comfortable. And I really, I mean, and Terry knows this too. I've said that before. He really made my career by making that move for me. So, you know, anytime that you can get on the field is great. But when I went down to St. Louis University, I went down on the soccer scholarship. Nothing to do with baseball. Yeah. And they asked me to play baseball when I went down there. So there was never any decision on if you're going to do this or that. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, that was freshman year and then I was done. I was, you know, I still played another three years at St. Louis and, and then was drafted. In, uh, so really the financial piece made the decision pretty clear. So you had scholarship money for soccer and not scholarship money for baseball. And then you saw your brother kind of going through that process you saw what your dad went through mm -hmm. when you were a kid. Well, it doesn't hurt that you're staring at a university that is top of the pile. No, you know? that also helps. Well, that's it was a no-brainer. Really, back then, it was if you got the call, you went and played for St. Louis U. Well, and, and, and we heard this from Mike Sorber in a recent episode that he got to go down to, to Mexico and play for the Pumas. Yeah. In the U.S., most people walking down the street with Mike Sorber wouldn't have known who he was. But he gets off the plane in Mexico City, and he's harangued by 50 reporters. You talk, you go to Rochester, which is not the Cosmos, but you guys were pretty big deals back then. And so can you talk a little bit about what that was like to be in those environments at that time? And we'll get into the journeyman side of, of your career as well. Um, but I'm just curious that those first couple matches um, when you're playing in the NASL after St. Louis University, can you talk about the difference in the crowd and in that in the environment? Well, going up to Rochester is a little bit different than, you know, going to anywhere else in the league. Yeah. And uh, there was good things and bad things with, <laughs> with doing that. And at that point, Don Popovich, I yep. think we all know Pops, uh, was the coach up in Rochester. And the year before, he had just drafted Jim Pollyhan, a great uh, player from St. Louis. God rest his soul. He just passed away about six months ago of a, of a heart attack. But he drafted Jim, uh, along with Terry Hansen, was the, the general manager at that time. He's also from St. Louis. And uh, so Pops had a, a really good uh, uh, outcome with Jim Pollyhan. So the next year I was drafted, I go up there. I, they asked me to live with them, so that's how that journey started. But the Rochester, they didn't have any other sports really up there. They, right. they did have a minor league baseball team, but you, you really didn't hear about it. And we were the thing in town, but we were far from being recognized by anybody or any. <laughs> well, you know, we, that, no, that was not the case. But I think the Kodak people were 
yes. pretty big over there, oh right? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> well, and then we 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 made some really good strides when we were, you know, my it was 77 and 78 for Rochester. Me, we made it to the Final Four. Wow. We lost to the Cosmos at a packed stadium, which they've never had a packed stadium ever yeah. in Rochester. So we did some great things on a team that was on a string you know shoestring budget they right i look back now didn't then but look back now and i shake my head and say you know how did they even put a, a team on the field it was they were very we were very competitive and uh i don't know how they did it was it was there any amount of like when when you got the offer when you were drafted you know because you go from you're in st louis you're playing at cbc i mean cbc is a powerhouse in its own right uh, you then go to St. Louis University, which is the number one university in the country, you know, in soccer for years. It is the dynasty school. You're go- that is the top of the pile. You get drafted, and it's Rochester. It, you know, because th- there's a connotation with that. Any- anybody that knows the league knows that, you know, when you look at the other cities that are involved in the markets and the players, there's a lot of desirability, then there's less desirability. Were you frustrated at all with the Rochester selection, given kind of the fact that you'd been riding the top of the wave? Uh, or did you just see it as, I'm a soccer player, this is my job, that's my team now? And that's what it was. I mean, I was just happy to get drafted, to be able to go on with my journey and play you know, professional soccer. And uh, I didn't think twice about being drafted by Rochester. I didn't know a whole lot about them at that time. Uh, you know, you're, and back then, we had you had no power. Once you were drafted, you were, you know, I didn't, I couldn't say, I'm not going to you. I'm going to go to the Cosmos. <laughs> that wasn't the case. You know, yeah. it was once. And if you if you said something like that, you, your career would be over. Done. You, you, well, you could. have I have ten siblings that will kick your ass. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> that could have been done, but uh, no, we had no power. There was no unions. There was nothing back then. We actually started the unions, you know, then when we were playing throughout the years. But uh, I was just happy to be up there. Didn't know anything about uh, Rochester whatsoever. You know, knew, knew then that Popovich, you know, was the coach. And Terry Mickler and Pops were old teammates. So they, they yeah. knew each other somehow, and, you know, through through playing way back when. And just the opportunity to go up there and, 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 and try to play. And with Jim Pollahan, you know, paving the way. The year before, they did give me a shot at playing, even though it was a, a wing back and I was a center back. Again, goes back to Terry Mick. Just put me just on play. the just play. Put me in the yep. goal. I don't care. I just wanted to be <laughs> on the field. So I, I have a, a, an interesting question that we've never really asked before, and I was talking to JB about this. I actually do listen to other podcasts. I know, shame <laughs> on me. But there's a You're new fired. there's one out that's called <laughs> Owned, and it's about sports team owners, and. Of all the people I know and met in my life, I think you have a really good point on eight teams in seven years. Is that right? Eight teams in seven years. I would love to get your perspective on just the different feel of the different owners throughout that time. Did you have a relationship with them? Were they engaged? Was it? I'm just very curious about that part of it. Some of the owners you knew, and some you didn't. You know, some were. You know, you, you just didn't know who owned the team at that point. Yeah, but there was a squiggly name on the check, and you're like, I think if you I got a check sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, so in Rochester, we were owned by a couple of lawyers, and they were shoestring. It was a shoestring budget. It came. They weren't wealthy people. They they love soccer and uh, just had to, I don't know how they came up with the money every year and, 
and, and I'm sure we had the, the lowest payroll of anybody. And uh, all of us back then didn't make a whole lot of money. I mean, my first year, freshman year, my first rookie year in Rochester, I made $3,000 a year. Wow. wow. You know, so we were playing for the love of the game. Yeah. And my first, one of the first games that I played was against Pele in the Meadowlands, 75,000 people. And I'm making three thousand dollars a year, and, and, and I'm saying I don't care. <laughs> and he's making three thousand dollars a half. Oh my! If that, oh, a lot way more, more than that, that. Yeah. a lot more than that. Right, right, right. You know, like uh, yeah. So it was incredible experience there. So they were, I, they were owners that that just. I mean, we we'd go to dinner, and you know, they we'd have one, you could only get one milk or one soda. You couldn't. <laughs> got doubled, you know, so all the farm, well, yeah, farmers I mean, you, would get, you know, a Coke with no ice. Again, you were probably, I mean, you were probably used to that. Again, we're going to go back to the 11 siblings, you know. You, oh, you, you, you had ration table. It was a ration table, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, even though it was professional and you, you had to blast and you traveled and did everything, uh, it, it was on the lower end of the, of the NASL at that time. And I think it... You know, but again, we were very competitive. We made it to the final four that year, and and then from there, uh, they sold me. Uh, they needed money, and they were getting rid of some players. And I guess I had a value after playing two years and starting two years. And so the the team up in Washington D.C. bought me from uh, you know from the Lancers, and uh, and then I'm owned by. Sonny Werblin in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. <laughs> so now you've gone from, you know, owners that, you know, that were doing it for the love of the game to Sonny Werblin and Madison's Garden that have unlimited amount of money. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Sonny and MSG because the foundation of that, that show I'm talking about, the first five episodes are about Jim Dolan, who took over later for Sonny and owns MSG now. Um, so... When you, you go from Rochester to D.C., and then you bounce around a couple times because teams kept folding. Right, or the Washington team, and again, it, we had a, that was where Cruyff was. I mean, Cruyff yeah. came, and Sonny Werblin and Medicine Square Garden, I think we're going to make the diplomats, diplomats in 1970, in 1980, when Cruyff came, a powerhouse like the Cosmos. They bought Cruyff. They bought, you know, Vin Janssen, was, which was the center back for for uh, the Netherlands at that time. Right. They got, bought a player, Juan Lozano, with, who was fabulous, but an Argentinian player. that, And then they, they just built a great team. And to this day, we don't know the whole story, but Sonny Werblin did not like what the NES, NESL was doing and then how they were going to proceed, you know, with the league. So after the 80 season... He just says, I quit. He didn't sell the team. He didn't do He just folded the team. Wow. And at that point, we went into an expansion draft. And my old buddy, Terry Hansen, the guy from St. Louis and general manager, mm -hmm. he was actually in Washington uh, as a general manager. But as soon as I got there, he was gone. He left right away. He was in, in Atlanta. So he got me down in Atlanta, and the owner down there was Ted Turner. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> So we had some fun, and Ted Turner so, came into the locker rooms a couple times, and so we were drinking his Suddy Cart, uh, or what was it, the uh, uh, 
Cuddy Sark. Cuddy Sark, yeah. Uh, so, was- so you go from my cousin Vinny in Rochester <laughs> to Madison Square Garden to CNN. CNN, right. Right right before <laughs> CNN got big, yep. Yeah, that, I mean, it, it's it's so funny. Like, the, the more we do this show and the more that we talk to, you know, gentlemen like yourself uh, that, you know, walk among us here in the 314, um, I, I, I'm always intrigued. I'm becoming more intrigued by kind of the culture and kind of your 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 own memories because for and i'm going to go back in time on our conversation a little bit those slew years when you think about your teammates the successes that you guys had uh the names of the players and then their pathways because you know when when we hear you tell these stories of being drafted and playing you know then going to dc and playing against george best and croif you're not the only one. And more importantly, more amazingly to me, so many of your teammates, so many of your neighborhood parish competitors did the same thing. Do, what does that mean to you? Does, does that resonate differently as you look back as the game is blowing up the way that it is? I think back then, St. Louis was a powerhouse. No matter if it was St. Louis University, SAU, anywhere that you, even in, in grade school and high school, we could play. We played together. We played as a team. And you look back, I mean, I think I learned more from the guys down at St. Louis University as players because they were so much better as you were freshmen and they were seniors than I did from anywhere. And those guys were, wow. they were my idols at that time because there was no soccer on TV. Right. There was no, <laughs> right. There, closer. there yeah. was no, there, there was none of that. So we couldn't watch somebody make a move these days. Messi, the other. I mean, you didn't see any of that. You didn't, you know, unless you, you know, were one of the guys that watched the, the weekly, you know, yeah. uh, show on. I, I forget who, who the hell had it at, but uh, that was it. So you never saw anybody to learn the moves or do anything. You learned from the guys that you grew up with. So we were surrounded, whether it was grade school with CYC players. Because we started so young, at, you know, second grade or first grade, yep. and played it the whole time. We were, I believe, still we were a step ahead when I went into the NESL in '77. I, today, before I came down here, I, I was going back to just to see how many players. There were 40 players from St. Louis in '76, '77, '78 that I could count that played in the NESL. Wow, yeah. St. Louis. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, th- th- this is the thing about. <laughs> Our, you know, our pedigree, our history with the game, relationship with the game, our love of the game, you know, and and we look at other parts of the country and the debates that occur in regards to, you know, uh, soccer capitals, et cetera. You know, and we talked about Kansas City a little earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And early in the season, I mean, I, I couldn't not, I, I don't think I could bash them enough at that time. No, it was time. pretty... Pretty regular. Pretty regular. And then I gave him a break for a number of episodes, and now I'm back at it. Because the more I meet gentlemen like yourself and talk to guys like Joe Clark and everyone else, it's like it gets me fired up. Because what you guys did at that time is really a a huge foundational component of of why we continue to thrive. But there's something else that I think is really important about you specifically, Don, which is Back then, there was a rule around three, right? You had to have three Americans. Two to begin with. Yeah, two at, at, at when it started. Eventually got to three. But I think you still hold the record for the most games by an American in the NASL, which meant 
As a defender, American defender. Either way. As games played. That's insane because think about all the different players that came across from, from Europe, from South America, and the ones that came from St. Louis. And the guy sitting here was has the most minutes played from a defender from the United States in that league at that time. And that's including those 40 guys you mentioned. Um, that it just, and it's not, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt. It's more about the fact that the generational uh, focus on soccer in St. Louis is, I think, what se- separates us. And then you have you tack on CYC where the development started and, and the parish concept. Um, and then as, as the diaspora of St. Louis spread out into the county, in, into St. Charles County and South, I think it just kind of carried forward. And that's yeah, why which, still see these which brings me to a question. Um, back to the NASL days when there were, you know, 40 plus of your brethren all over the league. How much fun was it? Because I, I, there probably wasn't a team that you played where there was not a St. Louis presence <laughs> on the other bench or whatever. What was that like? That was, it, it dep- and again, depends on what team you're with and where you're traveling to. Sure. So <laughs> in Rochester, you know, again, God loved Abbotovich. He, he gave me a chance to play. He gave me a start in my career and whatever. But he was a tough guy. To, you, you didn't do anything. He, I don't want to say, yeah, he's a sort of a dictator. Yeah. <laughs> and you couldn't do anything. You couldn't go out. You could. He had rules. You know, Chef he, Messing talked a little bit about yeah, that on the he, uh, he 72 pop, uh, it, you know, Olympic team. Yeah. yeah. Pop, Pops had a key to your room, and he'd come in the middle of the night to make sure that you're still there. You know? <laughs> that and, sounds more like Dick than Tater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And that's that's the way he ruled things, and that, and again, you couldn't do anything about it. If you didn't like it, you were gone, and your career was over with. Yeah, you know. But then going to Madison Square Garden, owned by you know, the next year, I'm out, and I, I come up with Joey Clark. He said you had him last night. We go down, you know, we're out in San Diego with with those guys. I call them over for dinner, and you know, sign the tab and give a good tip. <laughs> you know, we just signed for things back then. Yeah. You know, so so. I mean, what a change in, in, but you were right. Anywhere that you went, there were St. Louis players. You go to Dallas, you had Petcher and Bellinger and, and some of these guys. You go to Danny Counts was with a bunch of teams and Bob Mattis, all those guys in St. Louis, you know, there were anywhere you went, there were St. Louis players. That's who the NASL went to farther American players. Yeah. And there were a number of New Jersey players there with, you know, Sharks and, and, yeah. and, and Dave DeRico and yeah. And, 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 and just to be clear, there were no Kansas. There wasn't a Kansas City pipeline that you knew I, of. I do not remember any Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Heard Kansas City it. thing came because of the Hunt players Hunt. in St. Louis maybe moving to Kansas City. Yeah, you, well, Rockhurst, you Rockhurst, Rockhurst wins all those titles with St. Louis, St. Louis players. Boys, yeah. <laughs> yes. Same with Benedictine College. You know, they they're all St. They were all St. Louisans. So. Soccer capital, you know, I don't know about anymore. Maybe it is, depending on who's making what. But back when I played, it was all St. Louis. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I had somebody debating me that the other day, like, oh, well, that's just a historical reference. And I'm like, well, so is Washington, D.C., because Silicon Valley is technically more important than D.C. You know, that kind of train of thought where it all has to start somewhere. And I, I think it's undeniable, especially given that the NASL, was legitimately the first real pro league on on a global scale. 
One hundred percent. Yeah. And you go back to that. I remember being on the field. I think it was in Fort Lauderdale, and I think I was having a good game. And I believe I was with with uh, Washington at that time. And I made a play, and one of the foreign big defenders came up and he says, "Great play." He says, "Where are you from, St. Louis?" I mean, that that was the mentality of of the players. If there was an American out there, he was probably from St. Louis playing. Well, and, and Mike Sober said that too. You know, he he went to Mexico and yeah. had significant success down there. And people looked at him and th- thought, how in the world could a kid from St. Louis, Missouri play at the highest Delwood. league Not from Louis. Delwood. Delwood. I'm sorry. Yeah. From Delwood. <laughs> I was being a little more geographically uh-huh. uh, open. I'm going to update his wiki page, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, we keep hearing that kind of same story. And I, I guess we always ask what you think it is. And we've heard grit. We've he- we hear the competition side of it. We hear... We beat each other up in the playground or at the draggy backyard. <laughs> I think it was. It was competition. It was pride. I mean, to this day, I mean, it, being from St. Louis and being a soccer player, you know, I'm always pushing St. Louis and soccer yeah. player. I usually wear my city hat out, you know, these days. And I, I see somebody with a, you know, a logo, C, uh, you know, city shirt on. And I said, what got you into it? Because a lot yeah. of the, these fans are different now. They're not the older guys. Or, no, no, no. It's they a found it through crowd. Instagram. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I just, my boyfriend got me into it and I love it and all that. And I, so I make yeah. a conversation just to find out how they got into it. And it's, it's a completely different crowd. It's, it's, uh, well, I have a, I have a quick question. Um, I want to wrap up a question in regards to the NASL years, and then we're going to take a quick break for some refills here at the beloved Amsterdam Tavern. Amsterdam Tavern. And, and by the way, have you ever been to a better soccer pub than Amsterdam Tavern? I know. It's Tavern? awesome, isn't it? It is really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's my question. You know, we, we mentioned the names earlier. We, we, we mentioned it in the intro, the names that you played against, you know, and, and you jokingly uh, and, and modestly state that you're only in the photos because you were the defender and the offensive players were the cool kids, right? Uh, the Pele's and the cool The ones taking the money. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ones making the big money. Um, but we're still buying the drinks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, just, just kind of a, a softball question to you. You know, all those years, all those teams and all those uh, just mega names that were on the field, uh, who was the one? Who was the one that when you played against or played with, that when you walked out there, you were like, holy shit, that is blank. Uh, that just kind of like checked the box for you. It's hard to say if there's a one because on the Cosmos, you had Pele. So who in their life right. growing up did not hear of Pele? Yeah. Pele's a word that, you know, it's the old saying, I won't say the other words, but it's world world renowned that if you say Pele anywhere in the world, they know who you're talking about. Yeah. And there was nobody else like that. And to this day, and, you know, now it's a little bit maybe different with Messi coming, that Pele made, in my opinion, the NESL and and soccer in the United States. When he yeah. came in 1975, you know, the games were at Randall's Island, and they had three or 3,000 people or something. He yeah. comes, they got 10,000 people, they're painting the field. You know, I think the next year, the following year, we're playing into Meadowlands with 75,000 people. I mean, that that's an impact. And that got people to come. It got, it made... It made the league, but then it also, and it brought broke all these it. other great it players. Too, yeah. And it broke it, too, because nobody, it was the, the gate that kept you afloat. There was no TV contracts. There right. Was so, none so, of that. So my part B, part B to that question is uh, Pele was the name that was the uh, the AHA player. 
who is the toughest? Who is the badass? Because as a, as a defender, who just kind of like you're like, oh shit, here he comes. Well, my my one would be Stevie Hunt of the of the Cosmos. Now I I mean I always guarded Canalia, but Canalia was my size, so I liked guarding the guys that were my size. Even though he scored, I don't know how many goals on me, but it was, <laughs> we but he scored talk on about every, that. He scored on everyone, uh, and that's when I've been told, you know, he scored while well, he scored on everybody. But Stevie Hunt, because I was, he was just, you know, in Rochester, I was playing a wing back. He was just too quick and left-footed, and you couldn't stop him. And then a lot of people had that same thing. But as a center back, I think Canalia was probably the the biggest and hardest. And I mean, he was the leading scorer in the league. Awesome. Ricardo Alonso was another one yeah. from Jacksonville. Uh, but Cruyff, he probably was the best player that I, uh, for sure, that I played with. I mean, he he changed the game when he came to Washington D.C. and started playing. I think he changed the game. Globally, period. He played, yeah, before that. But when he came to Z, D.C., you've never seen somebody run straight forward and be able to, you know, zig and zag and never, you know, he, he wouldn't slow down. I mean, I was with him That's with awesome. goal of the year in 1980. Was I was on the field when he did that in D.C. And he was tremendous. You know, it, it, there, there was nobody better at that time, in my opinion. That's amazing. That's awesome. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some refills, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk probably a little bit more about soccer. Might need to talk about your brother playing for the Cubs, too, because that's <laughs> that's just not sitting well right now. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. We'll be right back after the break. Zach, you, uh, you good over there? I'm good, buddy. All right. We'll Thanks, see you guys. guys in a second. Crescent Plumbing Supply helps save marriages. Really, as families grow, kitchen and bath needs change rapidly. Designing and choosing the right fixtures takes way more skill than just scrolling Pinterest. Staying on budget and avoiding those foreign language order sheets, that's not easy. Lucky for you, the local team at Crescent Plumbing Supply, they are experts. They can help you ditch the baby's tub for a teenage shower and upsize that kitchen sink for all those tumblers, rosé glasses, and sports water bottles. So, when you're ready for that kitchen or bath makeover, go to crescentsupply.com. That's crescentsupply.com. It's cheaper than a therapist. Ripple. Yeah, I, you stumped me on this one. Don, are you a music fan? I am not, I couldn't tell you. No? I'm a fan, but not. I couldn't tell you who this is. When you when you're in your car, you just kind of cruising. Are you talk radio or? I'm you... on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> He's wheeling and dealing. Yeah, She's singing to yourself. <laughs> like, hey, Don, how you doing? Uh, we're back. We got some refills here at the illustrious uh, Amsterdam Tavern. That's right. Um, Zach, you brought back a couple of these fine. Chilled, cold ones, yellow yeah, I think, ones. I think Wally's is going to owe us something because this is the second time we promoted them on the show. The first was with Josh Allen. Yes. Because Josh Allen from Companion Bakery does all the <clears throat> buns for the sandwiches that are to go at Wally's. Yeah, and if you think about it, like, without bread, 
It's just meat. It's right. It's no so longer a sandwich. So with him, there is a sandwich. That's right. And then, you know, John Shine <laughs> has talked about his relationship with um, going to Wally's after leaving Soccer Park. Yes. Um, and how he struck up a deal with them to design and brew a beer for them. And now we're drinking it and it's delicious. It is your style of beer, as you mentioned earlier, which is cold and yellow. There's a million things I love about this beer, okay. to be honest with you. Number right. one is color. It is just simply yellow. Yep. Two, it's yellow. cold. Yep. Thank you, Amsterdam, for yep. paying the power bill. Yep. Uh, three, it's in a 12-ounce can. Yeah. I don't and need 16. Cool I don't need 20. I don't need those big two-by-fours that all the cool kids want. Just give me 12 ounces. Yeah, and you, it's probably free. Um, <laughs> it will be after they hear this episode. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I do want to... I, 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 I want to get back to Don very quickly, but this brought me back to last week when we were traveling through... Tennessee, uh, Smoky Mountains. We stopped at Bucky's in Crossville, Tennessee. And yeah. let me tell you, don't do it. Ooh, why? Don't go in there. Do they not have companion bread or Wally's lagers? No, they don't. Okay. Um, it <laughs> smells like beef jerky and fish. Uh, fish? Uh, okay. It's it's not it's not a pleasant experience. Wally's, you walk in like, wow, this is cool. It's nice. It's clean. There's a lot of people. I can beat that though. But it feels like you're in a nice place. Bucky's is gross. Uh, I can beat that. <laughs> on Sorry. my vacation between the marina that we went on the charter out of, mm -hmm. which is beautiful, beautiful boat. Yeah, I saw the pictures. Um, there's one convenience store between that and the sure. place we stayed at. Sure. In Beaufort. North Carolina, in the uh, in the marsh part of the Outer Banks. Okay, um, great people. That smell that you Watching. described in uh, <laughs> Tennessee, the smell in North Carolina was worse. Oh, yeah. Um, so suffice to say, we had toast for dinner. <laughs> uh, sorry for that diversion, Don. But I I, I wanted to ask really? you something, coming back from the break, which is, you are a member of the St. Louis Soccer Hall of Fame. You're a member of the St. Louis University Hall of Fame. You're also a member of the St. Louis Athletic Hall of Fame, but you were inducted and CBC and CBC Hall of Fame. You were inducted the same St. Louis Soccer Hall of Fame the same night as Lori Kolupny. And I got to watch that video of the two of you. And the reason I bring that up is because apropos to the fact that we're watching the Women's World Cup and JB and I were, were going on about how the U.S. women's team is not suffering, but they're starting to see that the competition is catching up. And so we talked about how that's been interesting to see that the young women from across the world are coming to the United States to train, go to college and, and play. And so the U.S. is that destination for the women's game for some. I mean, Europe is, is catching up. There's a lot of really great women's uh, leagues over in Europe. But I would love to hear your perspective on that coming from when you came out in the 70s and the NASL was the first real league, everybody was focused on Europe and South America. So can you talk about that, that transformation a little bit over the last you know, 40 years of not just the men's game, but kind of the women's and how it kind of is caught up to the Women's World Cup? It's sort of a, it's different that like back then it was the, the guys going to Europe and still is that way when you were trying to, to make it big and there wasn't a whole lot of people that are players that could and would go over and spend time on the, on the European team and you had to have that connection with a, a right. coach or something to, to get over there. 
Whereas the women, uh, now it's the, the opposite of there. They're they're coming here and training training with us. I think the the women, women's game is, is tremendous, you know. There's a lot of controversy right now with, you know, everything they do. And uh, and I just stay away from that and watch them play and, and, yeah. and just yeah, everybody it, makes a big deal out of of little things. Yeah, isn't it amazing that you'll get an hour's worth of post-game analysis that is centered around a minute and a half of a perceived uh, slide when you have a 90-minute game in which that's where the goals are scored and not scored. That's what they should be talking about. They're talking about yeah. the national. I mean, being on the national team, it was wonderful when you were away from away from the United States and the na- uh, national anthem came on and oh, yeah. wherever you were playing, you got chills. I bet I don't think I ever sang it, you know, but I was saying, singing it to myself, <laughs> sure. you know. So just because you couldn't see these girls' mouth, it didn't mean that they had they didn't have their heart in it. And yeah. again, I don't know what uh, what's behind all of it, but. Uh, it, it's a thrill to have that when you're traveling away and you've been away and and it, it comes on and it's 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 fabulous. So so let's um, let's kind of t- talk about the today a little bit more. We're going to add on to this. And right here in our own backyard, we've been blessed with uh, the newest it, 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 uh, team in the MLS, and that is St. Louis City SC, obviously. Um, Going into the season, there was little expectation across the board uh, from all the pundits, all the pros. You know, and even for those of us that are kind of near and dear to the game here, there was a lot of question marks, I believe, in all of our Absolutely. in all of our heads. Um, but here we are on the All Star break, MLS All Star break, League's Cup is going on. We're sitting top of the division. Um, Clearly, you've been following it. You've got your merch. Uh, are you a season ticket holder as well? I am a season ticket holder. Okay, so um, you've been there. You've seen the environment. Um, what's, your, what's your what's your gut take out of the gate? Here we are. Uh, what is it? Four months in, roughly three, right. four, four months in. What do you, what do you think of the team today? Well, the organization to begin with, I think, did a wonderful job with that stadium, and everything in that stadium is fabulous. It's it's a showcase just to go down there and be, see the event go on. I have one complaint about it by going down there. There are no programs. You don't know who the players oh, are. Yeah. You don't know anything. And, you know, you turn to your buddy and say, who just scored that goal? Where's they give nothing out. I was going to go down and just do one sheet of paper and put the teams on and sell them for a buck. <laughs> you know, I'd make a fortune. <laughs> yeah. but they, that, I think, is something that they're missing. That they, If they want a follow, more of a following and you want to know your players and you want to make an impact in the community and even for the other teams coming in, I don't know who they're playing. Or I know where we're playing, but wait, I don't know the players. You know, I never thought of that, that actually. Neither. I mean, every other major sport in the world. Every, and even, I think, the other well, they, the they, other teams do it. They are giving out, the last couple of games, they've given out those, uh, it's like a trifold deal. There's only, there's only the, the team doesn't say where they're from. Right. It doesn't and get it's, any, just, it's just the, the city team. Yeah. They don't say where they're from or, or Jeremy Tripp would say we need, just got to download they, the app. Let's know, set them up. You would love, I think so. You would love to... To find out where they're from, you know, and maybe their stats or anything. It just, yeah. so, you know, it's. I think the app, the, the St. Louis City app, has a lot of that, but you but can't get on it because exactly. there's too many people down there. So <laughs> I think they do need to have an alternative 
for just understanding. And, and I think the Cardinals games, you buy them. Yeah. You buy those. Even if you paid a couple bucks for them, right. I'd rather, I want to know who's doing exactly. what. You know, so that's the only thing. I think they, they're, they've done a great job with the team. I think they have a goal. They have a mission. And I think the players are following that. When, you know, as a as a center back uh, through your whole career, when you look at Tim Parker in particular and what he's done with the team, you know I don't know if you've done any a uh, little bit of homework on his own path because he's uh, he's not late in the tooth. He's 26, 27, I believe. Somewhere in there, yeah. So he's he's been a little not a journeyman, but a little bit he's of a been journeyman. Around a couple places. Um, you know, as on a an expansion young team where it was clearly built up the spine. You know, Berkey first, you know, Parker, Leuven, and then Klaus up top. Um, what, what, what's your take on Parker as a modern-day center back in the MLS playing this in this high-press system? I, I, I like the way he plays. He doesn't, he doesn't do more than he can do. I think he does his job. He gives the ball up. He, he does everything right. He chases down. So I like the way he plays. And he's, he's pretty good in the air. Too. He's pretty very good in the air. Yeah. You know. So he, again, he he's he's a tough defender. I think he's a big guy to where he's probably you know puts some fear in God in in the players that are playing against him. And he, if he can whack him, he'll whack him. But I think he's he's a great player. And he again he he does his own thing. I had a player or a coach one time, Gordon Bradley. He's a great coach up in uh, Washington, D.C. And his theory was singers can't be dancers and dancers can't be singers. Do what you do best. Yeah, Somebody will recognize you. You'll do your job. Yep. So there were so many players that tried to do, and it probably still happens more than they could do Yeah. because they wanted to beat that last guy. They wanted to do that. But if you do what you're supposed to do and give the ball off to who you're supposed to and you did your job, you're a great player, I yeah. think. And I think Tim Parker is that. He doesn't do more than he can do, and he does his job, what he's supposed to do, very well. His picks are some of my favorite. Watching him just take the ball away from a, 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 a rock-solid striker well, I, coming it, down the wing. You know, watching him now for as long as we have uh, and, and really kind of paying attention to the nuances, to certain positional players because I look no offense to wingers me personally I you know hey have pace good on you I'm looking at the six I'm looking you know I'm looking at the 10 I'm looking at the center backs you know because of that kind of quarterback uh, mantra or responsibility um, the thing I like about him is even at 26 27 I'll compare and contrast him currently in today's marketplace Tim Ream, who has roughly 10 years on him, mm-hmm. he's get, he seems like he's getting smart by the game in his anticipation, in his reaction, in his distribution. Um, and his knowledge, you know. He, he knows yeah. who the players are playing now, and he knows how to play them. They have a game plan. And I think, they're again, not just Parker, but the whole team does. And they're... Their game plan, you know, they if they lose the ball, they get it back right away. Yeah. Well, and, do, and do if you guys big, ever big broke it down to where how many goals that, and I haven't done the complete breakdown, but any goals that they've scored because of mistakes or lose the yeah. that losing balls or free kicks or are pretty high goals, it's incredible <laughs> what they've done. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, the incredible thing is leading the lead in goal differential, kind kind of by a lot. 
You know, I think it, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're a plus three over the next closest. And then if you look at the median within the league, they're, they're plus 10, if not plus 12 over the rest of the league. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I think that says way more about our defensive prowess. Um, and let me, let me ask your opinion of Berkey. Um, is, there, is there a better goalie in the league right now? I have not seen one. I mean, he's kept those guys in the games. He's won a number of games for them. For me, he's the best keeper that I've seen in the league, and, and he's, he's consistent all the time. He doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. You know, when the goals that are scored on him, you know, they got to give him more power to it because nobody's going to stop him, and, and uh, he's that good. Let, let me throw you guys a hypothetical here because now we're in, the, we're in the age of messy, right? Messi is now the Pele to, you know, to the league. Um, let me let me give you a scenario and just let me get your take here. If Messi drives Miami to a playoff slot and they make it to the semis, versus Berkey taking us in the West all the way to the top, and let's say we happen to win it all, MVP vote. How do you think it'll go nationally? Do you think Berkey deservedly wins it? Or do you think Messi, because of the Messi factor, even though they don't win it? I mean, Messi's going to draw the... If it's a popular vote... Yeah, it can't be popular <laughs> yeah. vote. I'm saying, like, soccer people, if you're really looking at it, do you think the majority of soccer people will be cognizant of the reality of the situation? Or is it just the goal? Well, I think it depends on what Messi does the rest of the year. Yeah. He's got a long ways to go. And so does Berkey. I mean, yeah. not, or St. Louis, the, the city team. I mean, they're doing terrific now, but you don't know here after. It's hot. F, you know, it's, <laughs> right. it's a different story coming you know what up. I, what but Messi, or Berkey is not going to change. Right. Berkey's going to be Berkey, and he's that good. You know, whether the team's going to do that good and they're going to continue to win and score goals and do what they do, you know, some of these teams are now second time around playing them. They might have a different attitude and different uh, – game plan on playing yeah, against the St. Louis team. I think the second half is going to really expose. But do, but don't you love yeah. the don't you love the the reality of the situation in so much that everybody's always looking to kind of make excuses for us or give us, you know, look for our where's our Achilles heel, you know, beyond being an expansion team. And the biggest one was, well, what are you going to do when of your big guys go down? <laughs> well, guess what? We've answered that. They've been down. Yeah. Right. You know, and now they're coming back and one of them Nielsen in particular we don't. He hasn't even stepped on the field. No. Yeah. So I mean, is does that does that you know, given the position that you're in and your knowledge of the game, your love of the team, uh, does that excite you too? I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a great position for the city team to be in to have these players coming back. Then who are you going to sit? You know, who's yeah. going to be unhappy? With well, the, you have Torreson coming coming in too from Iceland. Uh, so that's going to have an impact, and he's more of a winger. Pronounce that again. Torreson. Did, did you did you Google that? Did you I did. Like, did <laughs> yeah, you, I do. I, it, I could be off because it's been a while, but it looks can like... We, can we just call him Thor? I would love to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, that would be great, and uh, I think it'd be a cool nickname, and I think we'll just pick it up anyway. And He probably already has that as a nickname, but... Uh, well, I mean, the, great, the great thing, though, about Messi you're talking about is I really think, and you could tell 
that he's he's enjoying what oh, he's doing. I, My I, Lord, he. I mean, when he's scoring those, you can see it in his face, running to his family, and then he scores two goals. He's he's here to win it. He's, well, he's here to I, make I, an impact. I saw a video. I saw a camera angle. I believe it was cell phone. It was on Twitter of uh, his first goal the other night. That kind of breakaway off yeah. the post, back to himself. Did did you notice what he did? The the, the angle was the individual's behind the goal. Uh, going to the right of the goal, you know, because that's kind of where he peeled off and was going back. And it was right after the group had been giving him the hugs and high fives and they take off. He's by himself. Did you did you see what he did to Beckham? He stood there and did one of those kind of like Usain oh. Bolt, like give him a little wave. And you see Beckham just with his grin. To me, like, I don't know why. I was almost like a little kid. Like, oh, look at that. You know, yeah. you know what? I'll it was you, inspiring to me. It was inspiring. I, I mentioned this in the last episode that I watched Messi in Barca, and he was, this was 2016, so seven years ago, and he was in that prototypical Messi mode where he ran when he wanted to, and he did what he needed to do, and they won the game 1-0. <clears throat> in the two games I've watched him with Miami, he's doing everything. And I'll tell you, I think what's the spark Busquets, Busquets. I, you know, talking about somebody who is calm on the ball, who doesn't have pace. I mean, you, you could blow right past Busquets, but he gets the ball in the middle of the field in that sixth spot. Yeah. It's it's on. He reminds I saw that uh, Jordan and, and Tom Brady were playing basketball on the beach <laughs> a couple yeah. weeks ago. And it was on social media, right? I didn't see it. And but. Jordan, even at his age and his physique, et cetera, because he, he clearly is not... NBA worthy right now, uh, but he's just <laughs> dicking around, throwing the ball from you know from wherever. Too easy. That's what Busquets reminds yes. me. Yes, it doesn't matter. He's gonna do it. So my question to you is: before we continue to stay off the rails, um, <laughs> having played in the NASL with those players, the Pele's and Cruyffs, et cetera, and everybody that came in, and now watching MLS. Uh, what are we, uh, 28, 27, 28 years into it, now we're really seeing the messy names, et cetera, coming in. Because th- there's been big names prior. But they're starting to come in a little bit closer to prime, not significantly past prime. Do you, do you see a compare and contrast there? Is MLS doing it right, in your opinion? Um, you know, because the, the numbers are, are t- to be determined. Uh, but do you think they learned enough from what happened in the NASL with those players? Uh, are they hedging their bets better this time around? I think so. I mean, and the thing about it, too, the NASL lived by the gate. There was no TV contracts. These guys have TV contracts. They have sponsors with Adidas and, and Apple and and what have you. So they have money behind them and, and obviously a lot of money because they are signing these these players. Massive. They yeah. could not be doing it by the gate because they're, most of the stadiums are what, 25,000 people? If, yep. You know, if that. So that could not support Messi's salary. <laughs> you know, if it was it was the old days no. of, of Pele. You know, Pele was because of Warner Brothers. They wanted Pele because they could get into any country and do a movie or do whatever, get him into there and, yeah. and he had, you know, he was the, the card that, that could do that. Wow. And the draw. So I mean, they had, you know, Robert Redford and Sophia. They had people go to these games. Sylvester Stallone, you know, victory. You know, they had, yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> they had, the, the, you know, but nowadays, I think they're share revenue, obviously, with the yeah. the MLS. They have money. They have they have a lot of things to be able to to afford these players. And I think I think they'll do it right 
I think most of these stadiums, you guys probably know know better. They, a lot of them sell out all the time, don't they? I mean, a lot of them. There yeah. are some stadiums and there are some teams that are still kind of bottom, like the Rapids. I think has a a, a struggle. Yep. Uh, getting folks out. Well, it's funny. Like Columbus is another one. Um, I mean, I think they do okay on attendance, but what it is is the early iterations of those stadiums were really kind of glorified college they were. pitches. Um, the new Soccer-specific stadiums. Yeah, the New Cincinnati. York, L.A. Yep. Uh, well, St. the Louis, timing obviously. is perfect, too. I mean, you just had the World Cup. Messi wins the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, Everybody that is a soccer player and even not a soccer player was watching the World Cup. And now you got the best player in the world coming over here. And, you know, it, it was perfect timing for that. And I don't know if you put a Messi in Colorado, if that would have worked like that. I don't, I don't think it would have. It no. wouldn't have. They would have had an impact, but not that much. Not that when much. When we were in D.C. and Cruyff came, you know, they, they knew he was going to do things. I think we averaged 12,000 people when he came. They had 22,000 people, and then they just folded the team because they, they didn't like the way the NEL, NESL was going. So, but, you know, now there are so many people that know the game yeah. uh, better and are part of the game as opposed to back in the NESL days. I, I want to go in a different direction if we, if we can for a minute because we've had a lot of folks from the NASL days or the, the Steamers days, and some of them have gone on to be coaches. Some have gone on to be teachers like Gettemeyer. Um, but you chose a different path. And I would love for you to kind of just talk about what you've done post-soccer for a little bit. I mean, you don't have to go in the weeds. But I think that's also part of your story, which is, yeah, you played the highest level with Cruyff and Pele and all these guys. But then you retired in the 80s. And you've been doing something completely different. You've been a, a, a star at that as well. So can you kind of let folks know who you were post-soccer as well? Well, I really didn't retire. I was asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> the, the new coach had, had other ideas in bringing somebody else in. So, But I was fine with that. And right off the bat, I got into the mortgage industry. Yeah. And I was a mortgage loan officer, and I still am, you know, for the last 37 years. So... It's been a great business. It's uh, a lot of freedom because you do a lot on your own. Nowadays, you work from home, um, and it's it's been terrific for me. And it was a it was it was nice to get into that business out of soccer because you made more money in in this business than you did ever <laughs> playing soccer. So it was uh, it was a it was it was worked worked really well for me. Yeah, but the underwriters are nowhere near as good looking as the cheerleaders back in the day. Well, I'd have to say no comment on that. Too, but, uh, well, that'll be part two. Yeah, part two. <laughs> so, so the only other thing I was going to ask about, and this is kind of getting back into those those days, is you know we, we've heard a couple different stories from folks about frozen buses and uh, beer in in. Uh, trash trash bins, bins, ice bins, <laughs> and in ice baths and trash bins. Do you have any of those kind of stories uh, on your your travels throughout? I mean, you said you had to live with a family up in Rochester for a while, um, and then you went to Atlanta or to DC, then to Atlanta, and you went to uh, all over the place. Do you keep, keep any of those kind of fun well, stories? Well, I mean, before you even go to the NASL, you know, when at at St. Louis University, when we'd play in Quincy or somewhere like that, and we'd win. Back then, Harry, you know, Harry Keogh and Val Palazzaro and Miguel, you know, we would get trash cans and we'd felt they would be full with beer for the trip on the way home. And that was just, 
that was okay to do back then. But, yeah. They weren't breaking any rules. Yeah, or, that's statute of limitations that was, yeah, on that, underage. That, that's all good. And that was it, it was about getting a team together yeah. after a victory and singing and and doing all the other stuff. And it was terrific. And NESL, you know, the I don't know. Um, I'm sure other people had better. I'd have to think and see what stories stories are out there you know that 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 can be told and uh, <laughs> uh but uh did, did we mention this is a rated r show <laughs> so you're fine <laughs> i remember you know like again what people think in the cruyff days you know gordon bradley the coach back then it was before a national televised game and it, this is nothing it just came to my mind and he was talking to me before the game and he was like tell me what to do and whatever and he'd look under the shower stalls to see if Cruyff was in there because oh, you know he was afraid you know Cruyff was sort of running the not I don't want to say 100% running the team but it was seemed it would be it was getting there you know you had a number of Dutch players now you had these other guys coming in and I think Gordon's job was probably on the line if that if that was the case and Gordon was a wonderful coach wonderful guy it was just a different you know what medicine scored Garden wanted to do the thing so sort of funny that I think Cruyff sort of made the lineup, even though Gordon had a, uh, agreed <laughs> with it. You know, I was just lucky that he liked me. You know, so. <laughs> a lot, of, you know, in all of that, there's a lot of luck involved. If somebody gives you a chance and you do a good job, then 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 terrific. But there are a lot of players that didn't get that chance that should have got that chance and and go from there. I mean, I'd love to have seen Don Eber play outdoor soccer. Daryl Duran, come on, Daryl. One of the best players ever to come out of St. Louis, but he had are, a foot problem. And are you are you just saying that because he's a CBC alum? <laughs> no, that guy. <laughs> because I played with him on the on the steamers there, but and that was a wonderful time. Also, I mean, to play with nineteen thousand people when I was towards the end of the steamer years, but you know that it was just a thrill. You you always rooted for him, even though I was playing against him. I was playing with Chicago Horizon at that. It was a one hit wonder team. You know, for one year they lasted, but we would. We were in the same league and everything, and when we didn't, when we weren't playing the Steamers, I was hoping that they would win. You know, they, it was a St. Louis thing, and it always yeah. has been a St. Louis thing. And you're always and still are rooting for anybody from St. Louis. I love it, love it. Well, I don't see that ending anytime soon either. I, I think that uh, you know, gentlemen like yourself and your your, your peers, teammates, ex teammates, and these stories are just it's inspiring because i know for a fact my own son he won't admit it but i know he's listening to these stories and their and their buddies are because they're part of the next gen of st louis players so i just want to thank you for coming on sharing the stories um you know because it's really inspiring to really understand why this all is such a big deal here and you're a big part yeah. of that and you go back to the, the kansas city so who, where or who's the hub of soccer you know some of these things that I brought in to show you guys too is that, I mean, on the in the 19 it was it 79 team or 78 team, there were seven of us from St. Louis on the uh, United States national team. Yeah. So, what did the league and what did the coaches? Walt Chisholm was the coach at that time. They thought a lot about the players from St. Louis and and uh, to be able to do that and have that time with Al Trost and Jim Pollahan and Petcher and Greg Villa and uh, Bursick and Hulser and you can name on and on, and that, and then you had that crew before us with the Madisons and Series and Demlings and whatever. It, it's never ending. It, it really is, and it, hopefully it won't. Hopefully that St. Louis 
continues to that path. Well, I mean, I think when you look at players like a Josh Sargent and Tim Ream and, you know, the next gen, the Miggies and the Caden Glovers and, you know, the, the there's a wave. It's it just it's almost like uh, it's like a sunset sunrise here in St. Louis. The tides are always going to rise. Right. It's just a matter of time. So th- thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to check out this uh, photo album here, too, before we leave today. Uh, Zach, you good? I'm good, man. Don, this has been great, and I was excited to have you on. And you were the first real soccer legend I met when I moved back to St. Louis, and and so to have you on our show is is a, is a privilege. You, I thought you met Jared. No, I met Don <laughs> before I met Jared. <laughs> Sorry. I, I really appreciate you guys, and it's been a pleasure doing this. And uh, there are a lot of players just like me. As I said, there were 40 of us at. Yeah, within that's a couple of years insane. playing in the NESL, and that's just a big well, coup to St. Louis. I tell you what, let's let's give a shout out to Bill Luby. Bill Luby, Bill, oh, what a yeah. great guy. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 he has been like, he's our booking agent. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he listens to the shows. He's been great, constant name dropping. Uh, uh, his Rolodex is pretty impressive, by the way. Well, he knows more about soccer than we do. There's no <laughs> doubt about I it. I think we're going to have to bring Bill on yeah. and uh, let him kind of give us the secret sauce, too. Right. Well, I tell you what, are you going to the game tonight, by the way? I am not. I don't have tickets tonight, but... When I pulled up here, it's 102. It's so. <laughs> going to be sticky. Do you notice they're like uh, texting out, here's your water stations? Yeah, they're giving out free cups tonight. <laughs> oh, free? No, it's not really free. I'll show you my season ticket, Bill. No. <laughs> <laughs> For those that paid to get in, we'll have uh, free access to cups to get water. Well, not that it's going to help anybody because by the time thank, you hear this, thank you, Carolyn. Yeah, it'll we be appreciate over that. that. <laughs> yeah, this will be over by the time that happens. Yeah. there we go. Exactly. Uh, we're out of here. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, those three little clicks. Pick an episode. Pick a friend. Send it to them. We would be immensely appreciative. Chris and Bill, uh, the Pinnacle Loans Group. You guys, uh, thank you again for your support. Crescent Plumbing, thank you. Continue helping. S- save marriages across America. (laughs) Keep families on budget whenever they renovate their kitchen. Uh, And Don, enjoy your evening. Thank you, JB. Thank you so much, Don. Really appreciate it. And we are on our way out. Outie.